Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 210, Finance Friday Edition, where we talk to Stephanie about changing careers to optimize your finances. Teaching. I love teaching, but it is not a high paying career. And there is a step. I see my salary scale and where I'll be in 10 years, and it is not that much. Like it's not the numbers I want to be making. So I've thought about possibly moving into more of a corporate job that does have the potential for that growth. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my more fun than bubble wrap co-host, Scott Trench. Oh, there's some sort of pop I could give in response to that, but I I don't know (laughs) what to do. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to every money story, because we truly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you are starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or simply decide on what to do next from your really strong financial foundation you've built, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. Scott, I am excited to talk to Stephanie today. She is a teacher who has kind of the entire world open to her as she is contemplating a change in careers so that she can generate more income and boost her savings so she could reach financial independence a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think it was a great discussion and I don't want to spoil any of it, but I I think in general, she's got a lot of options, the entire spectrum of options out there. And it's really about kind of getting clear on what you want and how to focus in on, on pursuing some of those because She's got a strong spot and she needs to decide and act. And I think she's going to be in really good in, in a really good position in a few years. I agree 100%. My attorneys want me to remind you that the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice. And neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, Hotel upgrades or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. 
the BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Stephanie is joining us today. Stephanie is a teacher who lives in a high cost of living area. She's looking to purchase a house hack fixer upper duplex in her area to help with housing expenses. She's making smart decisions with her money and she's looking for ways to secure a comfortable retirement on her terms. Stephanie, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. First of all, you're a teacher. I love you. I'm so happy that you're a teacher. I'm so happy that you help teach children because I was a teacher last year and it kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah, for, uh, for us too. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, oh, I can't imagine, but I, whoa, I already appreciated you because I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. But then after last year, I super know I don't want to be a teacher. So I'm very, very happy that you are in your profession. Um, what, what, what subject and year do you teach? Uh, I actually teach music to kindergarten and first grade students. Awesome. Oh, do you give them a recorder? Uh, no, they don't get that until okay. a little bit later. Thank goodness. Okay. I am not a fan <laughs> of that piece of plastic. I'm not even going to call it an instrument. There was I, I was shopping the other day and some kid had a recorder and I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> Sorry, I digress. This isn't about me today. It's about you. Let's talk about your finances. What is your salary? What's coming in? What's going out? Debts, expenses, all that. Hit me. Sure. So um, my salary is about um, $3,300 per month. Um, I get paid, that's per month over a year, but I only get paid 10 months out of the year. So I got my last paycheck June 15th, and now I am crossing my fingers and hoping that I make it to September, um, which should be fine. But, you know, there's always that uncertainty. Um, I also have um, a side hustle income and I make anywhere from $600 to $800 a month. Um, in the summer, it's more because I have more time and I that I can devote to it. But I actually teach um, English to kids online who are in China. And I love it. So much fun. Uh, but I'm a independent contractor, so I have to save my own money for taxes. So that's another long term come to the end of the year and hope you have enough money saved kind of deal. Um, so I have every 30% I just keep in an account that I don't touch, don't look at, don't really think about. And then come tax time, it's usually enough. I've been doing it for three years, so that's been fine. 
Okay. I'm going to jump in here right now and commend you for that because I am also a real estate agent and I know a lot of real estate agents who are like, oh, it's tax time where I better sell a house because I got to pay my bills. That's really smart planning to put it in some place that I'm assuming it's some sort of high, uh, high, what is that? Scott, what am I saying? High yield savings. High yield. Yes. I was going to say high deductible insurance plan. Don't put it there. Put it in a high yield savings account, which is like 0.0% right now. But still, mm-hmm. it's it's not something to be invested in the stock market. It's something to be saved and held so that you can use it to pay your tax bill when it comes due. So yay for you. Congratulations. That's a good job. Let's keep going. Okay. Awesome. Um, so that the... 3,300 take home includes, I also do bus duty, which is extra that I get um, paid for. This summer I signed up to be on the curriculum committee. So I'll help um, rewrite the curriculum and rewrite the grading uh, profiles. So that is a little bit extra. And I try to do whatever I can at school to get whatever I can extra too. Uh, But that includes all of that. And then as far as expenses, um, like you said, I do live in a relatively high cost of living area. So my rent is $1,465 um, and will go up in September, just me uh, in a one bedroom. And that's probably the part that gives me the most pause <laughs> because I would like to be investing in real estate and a house. Um, but I guess we can get there. I'm not, there's not much around me that would work for what I would like. I'll leave it there for now. <laughs> um, Where do you live? New Jersey. New Jersey, okay. Um, Close to Pennsylvania, but we're not allowed to live out of state if we work in New Jersey. Well, teach at least. Got it. Um, Yeah, so that really does put a damper on those sorts of ideas. Um, But my total expenses, I don't know how far you want me to break it down, are about $2,800 a month with some built-in for miscellaneous. Um, internet, I just called and got down to $40 from 55, which I was really happy about. Um, groceries about 350 electric and gas. I put away 65 a month in the winter. It's not nearly that much. And in the summer it is. So that's another one of those. I have to budget an extra two months in there as well. And their summer really hot months. Um, then for my car, I put about $70 for gas, my health insurance, my health I put like $50 because I have some chronic things that I need to deal with every month. Um, Car insurance, $130, which hopefully is also going down. I just took a defensive driving course to hopefully lower that, but it will only roll over in August. So they'll give me the new quote. I don't know what that is yet. Um, Rental insurance is bundled in there. Uh, And then my car payment is $291.44. And I had some questions about that as well because I do have a sizable emergency fund slash house down payment fund and having any sort of debt makes me crazy. So I don't want it, but I can afford to pay it now. Um, But I could also afford to pay it off now. So it's just a matter of what is better, I guess. And what is your interest rate on your car payment? 4.8%. Let's let's keep rolling through the. Uh, I think that's an interesting one with that. Let's keep rolling through the the financials here. So you you spend twenty eight hundred a month, and you have about a thousand plus left over just from the salary, um, in those in the for those ten months, and then you have the uh, the the extra income that comes in throughout the course of the year from um, 
the bus and the the online tutoring and that kind of stuff. What what do you have in terms of uh, assets and liabilities? So um, I have an emergency fund of about fifteen thousand dollars, which is six months uh, comfortably where I am right now. But I figure, you know, if I get there, I'm moving out of this apartment immediately. So that's it will last me longer than that. Um, and then I have a house fund, which could also be considered a second emergency fund since it's just been sitting there for a really long time of about $12,000, which could go to a down payment, could pay off the car loan, could, I don't or just wait for a house. That's the right one. Um, but I've been, I was very discouraged with my last encounter with a house. Um, so that's there. I also have a traditional rollover IRA because I rolled over a pension from a different state when I was teaching in Pennsylvania. So that had to roll over into an IRA. There's about 16,000 in there. I have a Roth IRA that I try to max out every year, which is 20,000. Um, and I also have a 401k for my independent contractor work. And there's about 2,500 in there. Another question is, I know recently you guys have been real on the Roth, uh, Roth 401k wagon. And I was looking into it and it looks like I can have a Roth 401k, but I'm not sure what's better or worse. And I was about to talk to you, so I thought I'd hold off on doing anything major. <laughs> um, and then I have a brokerage account with 40,000 in it, which was uh, mostly inheritance from my grandpa. All right. And what is your, what is your goal right now? What, what do you want to be in a couple of years? Um, oh, I also have a car loan, but oh. I didn't touch. Hold on. How much, how much is the balance on that? I got to look on this page. That's the 4.8%, right? Yes. Uh, the balance on the car loan is 8,600 at the moment. Great. Okay, so so you've got a, a, a side, you know, a net worth in the ballpark of 80, 80, 85,000. Is that what I'm kind of eyeballing here? I, I probably am doing a little bit of mental math incorrectly. Um, with that. According to personal capital, it's about 110,000. Oh, I'm way um, off. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. Nope, that makes sense. I think I, I was looking at a couple of, I wrote a couple of down. Okay. Um, fair enough. So 100, 110,000 and, and 45. 53, 67 of that is theoretically liquid in the sense that you have an emergency fund, the house down payment fund, and the brokerage account with that. Um, do you have any type of pension from your, your employer? Yes, I will. And I can tell you what that's worth if you give me a second. As of December 30th of 2020, it is worth $13,400. Now that is the cash out value right now. That's what it said it was worth when I looked it up online in the pension system. And I think it only updates once a year because I looked it up mid-year and it still said only in December. Okay. Often with pensions, we found that there's like an acceleration of the benefit at certain milestones in the career. Do you, do you have any kind of insight into what that looks like for your situation? I don't know about acceleration. I do know that to be vested, like to be eligible for the benefits, you need to work 
10 years in teaching or whatever the public piece is. I have five years. Okay. Uh, maybe four years, I think, in New Jersey because I had to cash out the Pennsylvania years and my first New Jersey year because they didn't talk to each other. And so that's in the traditional right now. Um, so I think I'm only at four years. So I, if I left, I would only be eligible to get back what I put in. And you need 10 to be able to do really much of anything. Okay. That make that makes sense. Um, so let's, let's, um, let's get to the challenge. What's, what's the challenge? What, what, what would we like to achieve over the next couple of years with this? My goal is like to, to retire basically and be able to do what I'd like to do. Um, I have a dream of being able to do that sooner rather than later, maybe in 10 years, but I don't know if that's possible with my current salary, my current costs. Um, I'd also love to buy a house hack. Um, I looked at a duplex when the world ended in March of 2020. I, or just before, probably February, um, I was looking at a house. I put an offer in on a house, um, but it was not the right house for me. It was over a hundred years old and it was going to tie up most of my cash just with the down payment, let alone the fact that the side I would live in had no kitchen. So my realtor was like, no, this is great. You should do it. It's there's not going to be any more. And I was like, I don't, all the things I've listened to said, this is a bad idea. Um, and so I think I got a little further in the process than I probably should have by listening to her and then thankfully backed out um, and didn't get the house and it didn't wind up selling because the world kind of stopped moving. Um, but it has since, <laughs> but so I would love to, I'd love to find a duplex. That's not that one in the area, but I know that they are few and far between. Does it have to be a duplex? Would you be open to a, you know, a house with extra bedrooms or a basement or those types of things? Or what, what's kind of the, the parameters of this option? Cause I, I do think a house hack is an interesting choice for you. Um, that could be really beneficial. Um, I don't, I don't think I can share my space with someone else, <laughs> um, as far as extra bedrooms or anything. Um, I have enough trouble. Like when I go visit a friend <laughs> to try and live in their space, um, I would be open to something like if it was an attached garage or something that was converted that they had their space and I had my space. Um, but I no, the whole bedroom thing, and it sounds it's extremely lucrative, and I would love to be able to do it, but I personally can't. Okay. Um, so you're interested in what what is a duplex going for in your local area, the few that are that are on the market? Um, about three hundred thousand. Okay. Um, and do you feel like you would be able to qualify for the mortgage on that type of property? Uh, I was approved for up to 300 uh but then they were pushing 350 and now now they're just crazy but yes things i think i could do up to 300 then i was looking at possibly just buying a house inspired by mindy a little bit buying like the ugliest house on the block living there for two years fixing what i can hiring it as i can afford it and then possibly turning that into a rental um, the other agent that I was working with said, 
that doesn't make any sense because if someone can come in and could afford it, they would just buy it instead. They wouldn't rent it from you. I don't um, like your agent. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I think that I look I, with the live in flip, which is what that is. I I I don't like it as a as a rental strategy for a completely different reason, which is that after you've added a bunch of value, a hundred thousand dollars in value, let's call it, you can sell the property and get that tax free versus keeping it in a rental where if you own it for more than a few years, you're going to have to pay tax in the gain for that property. So that's the only reason I like the live and flip better than the, the live and rent. But if you're, if you, it is, I think a very viable strategy. And with my purchases, I've purchased them with the intention of doing exactly that, um, to build a, a, a rental portfolio with that. Let, let me ask you, um, in the house hacking world, your goal is not to live with other people, but would you be willing to consider it for a year or so to expand your 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 option pool um in in those types of areas? Um, it would be possible, I think. Um, uh, there would have to be an end date. Like definitely it would be a year. <laughs> and it's um, valid to say no. I want to jump yeah. in here and say that, you know, Scott's Scott could live with 47 people and he wouldn't care, but that's that doesn't sound like something that you want to do. Another option is something that is duplexable, but isn't quite a duplex right now, like a basement that's finished or has a kitchenette. Um, you could very easily find somebody who wants to live in the basement, who doesn't want to cook a lot, who is fine with a small little stove and a small refrigerator and you know, all of those things. There's there's uh, longer short-term rentals like traveling nurses and corporate rentals. And I don't know that they would want to live in the basement. Would you want to live in the basement? If you could deck out the basement, super awesome. And then they could rent the space upstairs. Could that be an option? There's a lot of flexibility here. You don't have to find an already duplexed house. Um, you do need to permit it in such a way that when you do fix it, it is duplexable or it is, you know, like you're doing everything legally, but um, there's a lot of fluidity in this in this option. So I like that you are open to other options and totally understand not wanting to share a space with somebody else. Yeah. When, when I when I look at your position overall, you are clearly hustling with this. You're 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 doing great with with a lot of these things in the sense that you're able to accumulate what seems to be a thousand to two thousand dollars a month in this and you've got a formula that will carry you to wealth over time if you keep doing what you're doing with these with this investment approach so the question is all about acceleration of this of this plan because you've you clearly got the basics down and are moving towards wealth with this right and i'm sure you feel that you're like oh i've got these emergency reserve i got these options but how are you i get the question I, the questions i want to know is like how far are you willing to go to accelerate the plan and where should we kind of be guiding our our thoughts here like for example ways to accelerate your journey to fi would be maybe to consider up and moving to another location because you don't seem to have a lot of ties to the area other than maybe a small amount maybe 10 15% of your net worth maybe in this pension um for that and you might that that's like a less about a year of savings for you in that pension you know so you might be able to really pay that back really quickly with a move to a different location with um, better, better pay or better benefits or those types of things. You might be able to have options for a house hack in a different, in a different town. You might be able to 
lever up and go a little bigger on a, on a house hack in your lo- local town if you're willing to do some work. So I want I'm trying to get a feel for like kind of that that the the areas you've been thinking about exploring and how f- how far wh- where's out of bounds and where's inbounds for our discussion today with that. <laughs> okay. Okay, so it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm I'm ready to go. Like I I want to do this. I feel like I have a little bit of trepidation with spending money. I always have. Like it's in the stock market. I'm not spending it. I'm technically saving it. You know, um, that down payment, it's going to take a lot for me to find a house that I will put that money on. So that's, that's a me thing that I'm working through. Um, but I've also said teaching, I love teaching, but it is not a high paying career. And there is a step. I see my salary scale and where I'll be in 10 years. And it is not that much. Like it's not the numbers I want to be making. So I've thought about possibly moving into more of a corporate job that does have the potential for that growth. Um, my master's is in leadership, um, which intentionally was very open-ended and not focused in education because I thought I've always wanted to be a manager. I've always wanted to do more than I am right now. I've always wanted to start my own business, um, but possibly like if it takes me moving to a different company, being a manager for a while, making that bank, moving to a different state, I would love to, and then get back to teaching kids music in a volunteer way, in a start my own business way, not in a, you have to go to school every day and do this and follow all their rules. Because I think there's some parts of my job that I don't see a point to, um, which I think most teachers will tell you. Um, so I would like all the good stuff without all that stuff. So if that means not teaching for a few years, however, that might be 10, whatever, um, I'm okay with that, you know, and I've looked at getting my resume set up to go someplace new. I just don't really know. I know the skills are transferable. I know I would be great at it, but like convincing someone else that says, Oh, you've taught for seven years is where I get hung up. And like, what do I do? Oh, let me answer this question. As a mom who had to be a teacher, I totally understand all of the skills that you have because I had to do my job and juggle a lot of that stuff as well. I think right now is a really great time to be a teacher looking for a new job, because not only because everybody it's fresh on everybody's mind, just all the things that you do if they have kids of their own. Right now, there's a labor shortage. I keep seeing all these jobs, or I'm sorry, all these articles that are saying people are quitting their jobs in record numbers. People are quitting in droves because they have saved up this money. They hated their job. They left. There's not a ton of applicants, not a ton of qualified applicants for the jobs that are out there right now. and. Right now is a great time to start looking because you have that fallback to, I don't have to quit my job until I find a new one. Get your resume updated. And, you know, I say that to anybody listening, update your resume and keep it updated no matter what, because it's a lot easier to remember that you just got this certification or, you know, created this project that increased revenue 12% or did whatever when you do it, as opposed to, oh, now it's time to update my resume. What have I been doing for the last three years? I think I did something like, how do I fill it out? So keep your resume updated all the time, but also 
alter it. Like your resume should be a fluid living document. And when you're applying for a teacher job, this is what I'm focusing on. But when you're applying for a more corporate job, all the things that your teacher job did that translates over to the the corporate job should be in your resume. So it isn't, I taught kindergartners and first graders music. It's I manage the flow and I, you know, all those things. Um, God bless you for teaching music to kindergartners. Like, I think, I think if you're going to say, Hey, I'm open to moving anywhere in the country and doing any other type of job that gives us a big blank check to begin, begin working from with a lot of this stuff. That's, that's very, uh, very exciting with that. And I think that you are in a great position in the sense that you really only have the car, uh, as a, as a, as an asset with a loan with, with that's, that's, uh, got a loan against it. You, you don't, you're not making a lot of money this summer doing the the contract work. It sounds like it's it's some money, but it's not a lot, right? Um, right. It'll wind up being closer to like nine hundred, possibly a thousand dollars each month. Yeah, like I, take I, home without the taxes. And how many hours are you putting in for that? Huh, it's three a day, six days a week. Love it. Okay, so I was. I would say like like if you consider like this summer as your your summer to have an 8-hour day which is designed to get figure out that next life move with this kind of stuff that might be a good a good thing because you know look my my I, as a man with no children and no teaching experience I have no no ability to comment on this other than through observation uh with this kind of stuff um but I think that uh my my wife was a teacher and I think it's a hard gig with this you, you really you know at the end towards the end of a teaching career it seems like the benefits really kick into overdrive where the salaries begin to really see that compounding effect and the pension begins to vest and you can certainly be a millionaire educator we had the millionaire educator on this podcast talking about that that path but it's not it's not something that you can really drive acceleration for here and it seems like you've had a couple of changes that have reset some of those those uh those benefits vestings for there i think in a lot of cases it can be underappreciated um and underpaid in some of these things so one of the things as as you were talking i realized that technically i can buy back years in the pension system um so i have three technically that i could buy back in new jersey's pension system i know that they're very expensive and every year they get more expensive that you don't buy them back um but that would put me at seven years instead of four. But I still don't think I'm going to make it the 35 years that they want you to. So I don't think, I've never thought that that was worth it. Um, I also, like I said, I'm looking right now. So staying three more years to get to 10 years to get anything doesn't feel like the best idea either. But it's just something that occurred to me while you were talking. I, I, I believe that with the right effort, there are other careers out there that would allow you the option of making fifty-five to sixty thousand per or more within the first year or two easily, which would far outpace that benefits profile. So I, I don't I think you should think about it. Given that we're we're going, given that you know, I don't know if I, I put this in your words in your mouth. So I don't want to do that if if I am, but I heard. I am open to considering the complete universe of places to live on the East Coast or nationwide and the complete universe of corporate jobs uh, for this. And if that's the case, that I think change is that is that right? 
Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I think your benefits package at the school is just not going to compare to that yeah. that spectrum of of, of possibilities. So I I wouldn't I would keep that in the back of your mind and be like my floor is. 55 that I need to accept or, 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 or 52 or whatever it is for the full-time job, given that I'm not going to have the, the two months of contract opportunity the way I do now. And I'm not going to have, um, the pension benefits, but I don't think that's a huge ceiling to, or, or, or hurdle to cross for, for, I, I would, I would think, I don't know, M- Mindy, what do you think? Well, as you were saying all of that, I started typing some notes. Don't buy a house in New Jersey. New Jersey, and I'm sorry if you're from New Jersey, this is not meant to be offensive. New Jersey is not one of my favorite states because (laughs) they have very tenant-friendly landlord-tenant laws and very un-landlord-friendly laws. So it's very difficult to get a tenant out of your property once they have moved in unless they have broken the lease. So if they're just a complete pain in the patoot, and they pay their rent on time, you can't not renew their lease. I don't love that that option at all. And if you're not tied to New Jersey, and they have horrible taxes, like they're they're super close to New York City, and that's great. It's a way more affordable place than New York City itself. But if you don't have any ties there, I wouldn't buy a house there. You said duplexes are really uh, difficult to come by. I would suggest now that you've got this whole new world open to you, make a list of places that you want to live and make a list of places that you don't want to live. I want to live in Colorado, California, and Idaho, and that's it. Great. Start looking there. Look and see what the availability of a duplex or a triplex is. Look and see what job opportunities are available. Look and see what the house prices are. If you're moving from New Jersey where a duplex is $300,000, Moving to California to make $60,000 a year and buy a $900,000 duplex may not be the best choice for you. Um, you know, what are your hobbies? Are those available in those states? Like, I really like to snowboard. So I moved to Colorado and then I have two kids who don't snowboard. Um, so that's awesome. <laughs> uh, where do your friends and family live? Do you have a support system? Like, the, if the whole United States, and I'm assuming it's United States, but if it's the world, even more opportunities there. Where do you have, like, what's really important to you? Having a strong support system, having, you know, the ability to do hobbies, having a good job, having, you know, a lot of options. You've got the whole country that just opened up to you while having this safety net of still having a job right now and being able to, I'm assuming you're able to, you know, continue working next year if you don't find a really awesome job. And then when you are looking, you do your interview and they offer you a job and you say, hey, what is your 401k situation? Oh, we don't offer one. Well, then never mind. I'm not interested in that. What is your, you know, what is this situation? That situation. You've just got a lot of options when you're open to it. And I love that. I've got, I could talk forever, but I see Scott want to say something. Well, yeah, I, I just, I just think again, like if if you let us, if you give us this much opening for the entire spectrum <laughs> of possibilities, we're gonna we're gonna go to town painting that that picture with this kind of stuff. So thank thank you for doing that, and I completely agree with Mindy that you now have a completely open ended and exciting challenge that I think is your probably a good a good goal to set yourself for this summer is like, can I narrow down five to ten places in this country that I would like to live and work? 
and can I go visit them, right? Um, can I go drive there or whatever? New Jersey is not renowned for its climate. Um, it is my father's second least favorite state after Delaware. Uh, so I think that there's a uh, <laughs> armpit of the union uh, with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, our Delaware listeners. It's not my, that's, not, that's not my feeling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we used you can to drive reach Scott's we're go- dad. When, we're, when we're going to Philadelphia we, to visit family. We would drive up uh, I-95 and we would get off and drive 20 miles around the Delaware toll so that we would not have to give $4 each way to Del- the state of Delaware uh, growing up. So don't move to, Del- Ow, you move to Delaware. What did Delaware do to you or dad? Wow. <laughs> they put a toll right there and charged you eight, eight bucks each way or four bucks each way. Um, so anyways, I would... But I would say, yeah, like put a list together of five to 10 places that you'd be interested and what a good summer project. You can do that while doing your contract work, you'd imagine for three hours a day from anywhere in the country and go visit and see like what's, and it it doesn't have to be like, oh, here are the places I would love to live if I had unlimited means, but here are the places that have relatively affordable housing that I can get. I can actually get one of these duplexes or begin doing some type of rental investing. Um, that are reasonably equivalent to my standard of living I'm accustomed to in New Jersey with this kind of stuff um, that maybe have better better options with that. And then simultaneously, what are the jobs that I'd want to do either in those local areas? Um, is it another teach? There's teaching jobs there, I'm sure. Or there's potentially work remote options around the country, or there's potentially jobs and on a different corporate track in some of those areas as well with that. And so I think that would be, I mean, that's a very broad open-ended task list, but I think it's a, it's as good a place to start as any with that because it, it, it hits the two biggest problems that you have right now. You have no leverage over your income besides the contract by upping your hours at the contract work. And you have your investment opportunities are limited to, basically index funds inside of your, you know, or, or, or stock investing inside of your retirement accounts. And you're willing and able to accelerate that with a real estate thing, but you can't do that because of the very limited selection in your local town. So I think those would be the, that, that would be the two pronged approach to address your two biggest levers with that. Does your lease allow you to Airbnb your place a few nights? If you like, for like, would that be an option for you while you're traveling to help fund No, no, not here. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, 
I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb. And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9 to 5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. Scott, let's talk about her car. She has a house fund of 12,000, an emergency fund of 15,000 and a car loan of 10,000. And something I want to say right now, there is because of the pandemic, there is a chip shortage, a microchip shortage, which means that new cars aren't being built as fast as they used to be. So there's a car shortage and there's a rental car shortage, there's a used car shortage, there's a new car shortage. You have a car now, I wouldn't recommend selling it if it's your only car. But if you are listening and you have a car that's extra and you don't need it, sell it because you can make a lot of money. Like used cars are going for a lot more than they used to go for. 
you have one car. Is there an option to buy a different car? It doesn't really sound like it. I just bought this car in August of 2020. Okay. Um, I saved almost enough to buy it in cash, but it wasn't quite enough. And then had to take out X number of dollars in a loan, which was ridiculous. Like I couldn't just take out the remaining few hundred thousand dollars. Um, so I wound up changing my tactic a little bit and invested most of the savings and then put down a large chunk on the loan. Um, but now I'm in a place where I'm sitting on the house slash emergency fund of enough to wipe out the whole thing. Um, also to note at the end of the summer, September, any money that I have extra will go towards, uh, the car loan. I just don't know yet what that will be. It will probably be around about a thousand dollars, maybe more, um, depending on how hard I hustle this summer as well. I also started driving for DoorDash. I haven't really gotten that up and running because the school year was so bananas, but I'm hoping now that I have more time during the day. Um, I can do a little bit more on that. And all of that will also go towards the loan. So that's that story. My personal opinion, if I was in this position, I would not take the house money and pay off the loan. I would keep the house money in its space and I would keep making my car payments because the 4.8% falls into just under Scott's five to seven um five to seven gray area, and then 7% and above, he says, pay off those loans as soon as possible. I would leave this for right now because I do think that you're going to be able to find another job that pays a lot more, that will allow you to throw more money at this car loan down the way. And then you could keep your down payment for your house. I love that you have a house down payment plan or uh, account. I love that you have an emergency account. Because when you buy a house, something's going to break. So buy the house and then be prepared to weather any financial storm that comes with that house. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't like paying. It sounds like you have, what, what kind of car is it? Uh, it is a Honda Accord 2017. Okay, so you have a four-year-old used Honda Accord at this point. Was this the you know uh, with this, and you have ten thousand, twelve thousand on the loan. Uh, there's eight on the loan. Eight something. Eight on the loan, and it's at four point eight percent. Yeah, I and I think, look, if if your plan is I'm going to teach for the next ten. 15, 20 years, and I'm going to continue this up and steadily chip away at my investment accounts. I think it's a, it's six of one, half a dozen, the other same thing, right. Uh, uh, to, to either pay off the loan or, or invest it probably a little better on average to invest it than pay off the loan, but not really a high stakes decision. But if you're going to, you know, uh, you know, pop up into the clouds with Mindy and I and say, okay, I'm going to assess my life at a holistic level and assess the universe of possibilities, maybe make a big move and a big career change in the next six months. The cash is where you want that. That cash is going to earn 0%, but it's going to earn infinitely more than that because it's going to allow you to make the move into the next lease or the down payment on the next property. If you choose to move immediately into a house hack or go month to month for a few months while you, while you do that comfortably or whatever, um, you know, uh, as you kind of reset a couple of those things or bridge the gap for, 
you know, three weeks between jobs or whatever that is. So I think if you kind of zoom out and look at it from that perspective, like, oh, I'm really going to actually really seriously consider a couple of these different options, then it's a, then it's, it no longer becomes half of one, six of the other comes definitely don't pay off this, the, the car loan yet because, because your that cash is going to be put to so much better use in forming a new strategy about how I'm going to live my life and, and, and build wealth going forward with that. So I don't know if that's too far, too far above reality with it, but that's, that's how I would be thinking about it. I think looking at your picture, if, if, if you are going to consider those, that, that whole big well, move thing. That's why I was keeping it liquid. And that's why I have for so long and didn't throw all of it at the car because even then was thinking, you know, this gives me a lot more room to pivot if that is where I decide to go. And if I don't, I just pay off the car loan and that's over, you know? Um, but yeah, having the flexibility, I really, I enjoy that aspect. I also hate having a loan though. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I did have a question about the Roth, um, 401k oh, yes, yes, yes. or good, good. Okay. Um, so my, my investments are with Vanguard and I was on their website and something somewhere said like Roth solo 401k or, um, the traditional solo 401k. So I just. Like, I don't know if it makes sense to take what I have and roll it over. I don't even know if you can do that. Or if I could open a separate one, if that's legal, having two 401ks. Do you know any of that? I have two 401ks. Um, Your plan needs to allow for a Roth. So if your plan does not currently allow for a Roth, I would... uh, Who is your solo 401k provider? Vanguard. Van, so did you set it up through Vanguard? I, I did. set mine up through uh, a different company, and but my investments are in Vanguard. Um, maybe it's custodian. What is Dmitry Fomachenko? Do you know, Scott? Do you know what um, his... I forget the, the name. It's custodian? Yeah, yeah. He's Sense Financial, but is he like the custodian or... M- Mindy does some wacky stuff because she's got a self-directed uh, I a, do, a whole, a whole plan I do there some wacky stuff. As a... As a... Um, as a, uh, as a, as a uh, uh, self-employed agent. Yeah, with the... Those options become available. Stuff. But I, I don't think that those apply to your situation, most likely. Oh, I'm not sure if she's self-employed because she's running her own company teaching on the side, then she could have this option. So that could um, be, you're right. Yeah. So that's something to look into the Roth versus traditional. If your current plan doesn't allow for a Roth, you could just open up another plan that does allow for a Roth. And this was perfect timing that you asked this question because Matt, the dentist, he's Matt, the dentist on Twitter or at Matthew Lee seven on Twitter. He says, I like Roth IRAs, not because I think my tax rate will be higher later, but because I don't even want to think about what my tax rate might be later. And I love that. There's so many mental, there's so many things you have to think about with this finance stuff all the time. That's a really great endorsement, in my opinion, of why you choose a Roth version of any plan instead of a traditional version. And I am a recent convert to the Roth um, because I always thought that it would be more advantageous to reduce my current taxable income. But I think the uh, when we talked to Kyle Mast on episode 200, he made a really great point. We are going to be most likely seeing some inflation and where can we 
cut expenses and where can we generate more income for the government and getting rid of a Roth plan or, you know, grandfathering in what's there and not allowing any in the future makes a lot of sense. So, you know, as a lever that the government would pull. So I like that. Thank you, Matt. I think at a simpler level, you you at a, at a strategy level, you are in a low tax bracket, relatively low tax bracket now. And, um, you know, if you're, if you continue investing and, and buying real estate, maybe make a career change, you, you know, will, will likely be in a higher tax bracket later, um, potentially. And so, and, you know, if you agree with me, you know, you're, 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 you're probably thinking that taxes are not going to decrease on average over the next 30 to 50 years, regardless of what tax bracket you're in. Um, they're probably going to increase with that. So I, I think there's a lot to like about the Roth over a 401k in a general sense. Your question, I think, is specifically about rolling it over um, with that, right? From the 401k to the Roth. Since I already have one, um, I just was wondering if you knew if you could roll it over or if I just kind of cut my losses and start a different one. I think I think that there's no, I think like it's it's one of those things where because of the penalties and the the complexities of moving the money, I, I, the simplest answer is just leave what it is and change your approach going forward with that. Okay. If, if you're interested in making the move, the questions you want to ask are, am I going to incur a penalty when I move it over? Because that, that I think changes the math uh, quite a bit on, on some of that. Um, and if I'm not going to incur a penalty, um, m- most likely there's going to be a taxable event. So if I take 10,000 out of the 401k and roll it over to the Roth, 10,000 of taxable income will likely appear on your return and you will owe three or whatever, whatever your tax bracket is on that uh, in taxes. And so that's something to plan around and be like, okay, that's actually going to reduce my my emergency fund, for example, to do that rollover, most likely if, 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 if I'm able to do that without incurring those, those things, I should know the details of this a little bit more specifically, but that would be where I would go hunting for trouble if I'm examining that approach. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Hunting for trouble. (laughs) Um, well, great. Well, I think, I think we're, we're, we've had a pretty good discussion here about some high level things. Um, what, where else, where else should we go or, or how are you feeling right now? Do do what other, what are some other question areas you might have? Those were my big questions. I guess really in terms of real estate, like, um, looking for a house hack versus a live in flip kind of thing. I know they're so different and you can't really say like one is better than the other, probably. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm can. sure Mindy, yeah, Mindy <laughs> prefers one. <laughs> so you could do both. Okay. You can find a property that isn't necessarily a shining star, but is habitable. You move into one side and you make it beautiful while either renting out the other side that is also not a shining star, but is habitable to generate some income. And then when you're done with your side and the lease is up, you switch places. And now you've got a beautiful house to rent out and you're back to living in the dump, which is how I do it. And it's, you know, that move from the nice to the dump is kind of kind of a bit of a heartbreaker. But then you're like, ooh, I like all this money. Um, so there's that option. There's always just the option of buying the the live-in flip um, 
to do like that. There's, I mean, you could just do a house hack where it's already nice. Um, I would weigh the options like, okay, I can get this, this needs work property for slightly less than the already fixed up property. Great. Go with the already fixed up property. Cause it is a lot of work to do a live in flip. It is, it is not uh small potatoes. And I would, you know, there's, there can be this misconception that a live in flip is take it to the studs, completely gutted, like horrible, do everything to it. And you could just need to paint it. You could need to put in flooring. Flooring is actually really easy to install. Um, and, you know, you just take your time and do it. Anybody can paint a wall. Uh, mm-hmm. When you start replacing windows and roof and drywall and like that gets messy and very expensive. Um, there are some jobs that I won't do myself, but there's a lot of jobs. I mean, most every job I will do myself or my husband will do um, just because we've been doing it for so long. But my first flip was paint on the walls, tile in the kitchen. That's it. I think I got a new toilet, maybe. No, I got a new refrigerator because it broke. But like that was it. It was a very cosmetic flip, but it made me a lot of money. And because it was really ugly when I bought it. Yeah. Maybe we could send you the 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 book on house hacking. Um, oh yes. From, by by Craig Curlop. Um, if you'd be interested in some further reading, we could we could mail you a copy or email it or audio or whatever whatever you'd like there. But I think I think what I'm gathering is is you're you're wondering where to start in the in the in the in in narrowing the the universe of house hacking or live and flip options. Is that a little is bit? Right? Yeah, I love having options like. Looking at the whole universe of options is fantastic, but then I'm like, oh, that's shiny, and look, I could do this, and oh, <laughs> this place has really nice houses, but no jobs. Um, so I hear what you're saying to make the list and really like narrow that down, but then like I do go on Zillow and Redfin and all that, and I'm like, oh, these are gorgeous, like, and I want that, but I I don't want that. I want the ugly one, you know. <laughs> so so what do you know how to do, and what are you comfortable doing? Like, what work are you comfortable doing? So not much. <laughs> that's like, that's valid. Um, love, you don't have to do it all yourself. I love the school of YouTube. I want to, and I've always wanted to fix up a house and like, okay, this week is flooring. Let's watch somebody tile their kitchen. And then I do it, you know, and it might incur some costly mistakes and, you know, that's okay, but I'm going to learn and I, I love learning. I'm a teacher. <laughs> um, so I want to know how to do that. And I, I've listened and everybody says, you know, the first one is a giant learning curve, but you did it. And then the second one is easier because one is done. Yeah. I, I just want to chime in here and say like, yes, this is a great approach to building wealth uh, with this, but you know, a live and flip is also like a big, <laughs> you know, that's why you make probably Eighty to a hundred thousand dollars over a two-year period. If you're doing an extensive live-in flip, is because mm-hmm. you're doing real work with this kind of stuff. But yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great approach. Some of it was not for me um, when I remodeled my my first place with, with some of those things. Mindy mentioned, oh, tiling is so easy. I got tennis elbows, so I had to stop. But then then cabinets are really heavy. But oh, there's ways to do that. <laughs> so there I, are and. I, I do have a <laughs> rosy approach to it, but you can hire, you can still do a live in flip where you're hiring out the work. I'm sorry, Scott. Right. I, I get really excited. <laughs> I like doing this stuff. Oh, I, I know. I just, I'm just like, oh, it's so easy. <laughs> I got to tell us how to stop it. Injury. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, I, I, I think, I think 
Look, if you're, I think what I'm hearing you say is you're interested. You have a lot of of, of shiny objects with, with with these types of things. I think, I think you are in a position where you can have anything, but you can't have everything, and you're going to have to make a list and narrow down those trade offs across to 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 what you're interested in. You can have a nice place that's ready to house hack. You can have a place that's a live and flip, but you're going to be doing lots of work of, of very sweaty manual work for, for those types of things. You can work wherever you want um, um, in, in the world with with your financial, the way you've set up your financial position and your life. So, but you're going to have to, at some point, make some sort of commitment to one of these new strategies that's going to then limit your options for a period of years while you while you pursue them. And that's going to be the the turning point with it. And I think, I think that's just a matter of really getting aggressive about saying, here's what I'm going to do that by. I'll never have all the information, but I'll have enough to make a great bet for my life sooner rather than later, maybe in 90, 180 or three quarter, you know, one, less than one year um, would be how I, I would, I think I would frame it like that is, is I'm, I need to make a big move here because my current approach is not really what I want. Um, and and even if they don't work out, think about it in terms of bets. Maybe that's the way to think about it. Ever read the book Thinking in Bets? Annie Duke is a poker player, and she wrote a book called Thinking and Thinking in Bets, which is all about like, hey, I'm going to live my life making decisions that I think are the right bet. I'm going to separate bet from outcome here. And you can feel really good about your decision if you say, based on all the information, I had a 70% chance of this working out really well. It didn't work, but it was the right bet. That helps you feel a lot better about lots of decisions you make. And that's a big part of my day as CEO, right, is I, I make plenty of mistakes and people get very mad about some of the decisions I make and disagree violently with them. But as long as I can say across the spectrum of the hundreds of bets I'll make in a year that I did a good job on 65, 70% of them, I'll feel good about that with those kinds of things. And that helps me take action very quickly on those things. What do you think? What are you, what are you laughing at, Mindy? You said they disagree violently. That makes it sound like people are throwing punches at the office. I would say oh, yeah. vehemently, Pe- people, maybe. People vehemently, violently. <laughs> they, yeah, maybe not like literally violently, but people will get people will get like heated about certain decisions we make with a lot of these things with that. And I think, you know, that but 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 what I'm trying to is is the concept is you can be wrong, but if you make the right bet, you can feel great about being wrong in those in those circumstances. Yeah, I'm excited for your options because you aren't married to the job, the location, the like everything has opened up. You have a lot of really great possibilities. And when you're starting to look for a job, keep in mind that how long have you been a teacher? Uh, Seven years. Okay, you're not a beginner level employee. You have seven years of project management skills that aren't necessarily exactly what they're looking for, but you're real good at herding cats. And that's what project management is. That's what management in general is. So like chief cat herder for PS 134, whatever your school is, that is, I would hire a teacher to do project management because I have seen you guys juggle 57 balls at once and catch them all and nothing breaks. And it's like, 
that those are great skills to translate. So don't, and I, I, I'm saying this to you and to other people who are contemplating a career change, don't sell yourself short and don't think, oh, well, because I'm starting new, I'm looking at entry-level jobs. You're not entry-level and you are the five to seven years of education level jobs. So that is the salary you want to research. That's the jobs you want to apply for. If something sounds interesting, apply for it because they're not going to call you up and say, hey, Stephanie, are you looking for a job? But they will if they like your skill sets. And I think every parent out there appreciates teachers right now. And if they don't, they're horrible. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Well, I think this was really fun today, Stephanie. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed talking to you and I am so excited to live vicariously through you and and all the excitement that you have and the the opportunities that you have coming up. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited too. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. We we gave you we gave you very general. This is this is the I think the least specific advice we've we have given so far on the money show. But was it was it was it what you're looking for? Was it helpful? Yes, it's helpful because I I knew I had a lot of options. Saying you know I'll move anywhere is very open ended. Um, but I didn't really know how to close that down at all. And so you were very helpful in saying like, these are the things you need to look at and this is what you want to decide. I love the idea of visiting a place before you move there. I've never done that before. (laughs) I just take the next teaching job and that's where I live. Um, So that, you know, seems like the right thing to do if you're moving across the country or even next door. Yes, absolutely. I I have only done that once and boy, did I hate my move. It all worked out in the end. I, I think yeah. I think a couple of road trips and Airbnbs might be the best investment you can make over the next three to six months with some of that cash that you're, your excess cash you're generating rather than putting it into the investment. Because I think I think the, if you find the right place with that, you know, that's where you can make the really huge ROI on the house hack or find the next job or those types of things. And that that that'll be a fun investing activity. That's true. Kind of a vacation and investment. Mm -hmm. Stephanie, thank you so much for your time today. This was a lot of fun. And I definitely want you to check back in with us when you have a new career. I will. Thank you so much. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was Stephanie. Scott, I have to say, I am a little jealous of her opportunities because she really has nothing tying her down. She can sit back Take a minute to say, what does my ideal life look like? And then go make her life happen. And that just is so exciting to me. Yeah, I think I think that I think it is really exciting. And I think that this is a problem that I think I I think that's Stephanie's biggest challenge right now is we talk to a lot of folks on on the show. And I think that Stephanie has this the most flexible position. And I think the least kind of clear clarity about where she would like to be in a couple of years with that kind of stuff. Um, and so we, we talked after the show actually just for a minute there about maybe how goal setting or visioning could be a really powerful exercise for that. Because, you know, if you have, it's it's impossible to act across when you have every conceivable option available to you and really kind of the guiding, you know, I, I would I would say that part of her maybe guiding philosophy has been 
to enable that flexibility or to create that that flexible environment to a certain extent um or, or that that may be a part of the output that the the reason that she has the financial position she has for example and the, with with uh the current situation and so i think you know if you're if you're listening and you're in a similar position maybe a good exercise would be to you know, um, embrace the cheesiness of, of the <laughs> voodoo and, and la la land of goal setting and those types of things. And, and just kind of like put some ideas about like what your perfect day would be like, or where you want to live or how you want to wake up, what you want to see out the window, you know, those types of things and put them on a piece of paper and begin somewhere with this. So that you can kind of begin narrowing down a path that will lead you to towards something that, you know, maybe a better life or that next, that, that, that better day, day to day life, at least that you love to move towards. Yeah, I really like that advice, Scott. Sit down and think about what you're what you want and then go make it happen. I'm so excited for mm-hmm. Stephanie's opportunities because she really really does have the whole world open to her and she can do what she wants. And isn't that kind of the point of Phi anyway? That's right. I mean, that's the that's the whole point of Phi. And so, I think you've got to figure out what you want first and then use Phi as the means towards it with that. But in the absence of knowing what you want, because a lot of people don't know what they want. Um, you know, like college kids, you're expected to choose a major before you have any idea what you want with that. But like in the absence of not knowing what you want, you might as well do what Stephanie did and build a really flexible, strong financial foundation that gives her all of those options. So kudos to her for doing that. I think that's the right approach in that period while you're still figuring it out is just build a stronger financial foundation um, that gives you that flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I hear from a lot of people who say, oh, I don't want to quit my job. I love my job. Well, that's why you're financially independent. So you can leave the light that you love. And if you if that entails continuing in the job that you are doing now, great. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't, then you have more options. And Stephanie, boy, there's just like not even one option that isn't available to her. It's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Scott, should we get out of here? Let's do it. He is Scott Trench and I am Mindy Jensen saying au revoir. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. 
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.